welcome to The Wizard of Whiskey, the podcast dedicated to the hedonist lifestyle. I'm here today with Rory Gallagher and Gene Mara from Cooperstown Distillery in New York. How are you guys doing today? Great, great. Doing pretty good. Can't complain on a Friday. Fantastic. I know it's about 12, 5 o'clock your time there, so you guys are heading home here pretty soon. Uh-huh. Yep. You know it. Nice, nice. Well, it's a good time to finish the day with a little, with a little spirit. Um, so I was at the distillery back in August. I have to say, really cool place. Um, it's right next to, uh, I guess, there's some kind of like baseball museum right there. Um, probably pretty famous. Um, odd story. I was going to go in because I'm a big baseball fan, a big Cooperstown fan, um, and I happened to have be killing some time before my flight. And I was going to go in, and I didn't have that much time. I only had about an hour and a half to get to the airport in Binghamton. And... I didn't go in, so I was like, ah, let me just kind of drive around, and I drove past the distillery, and walked in and realized um, you guys actually have a, a separate location right right there in downtown Cooperstown, um, so um, wound up getting to your distillery, uh, met you guys uh, last August, and really psyched uh, to taste through some of your stuff again and, and talk a little bit about the distillery. Yeah, I'm really excited, Justin. Um, you got some stuff there in front of you that I don't believe you got to try when you were here. Um, summer times can, you know, just be real crazy here in Cooperstown. Um, so I think when you came through, we didn't have any of those products available. Um, so this is going to be a treat for both of us. You get to try something new, and uh, we get to hear it from your point of view as well. Awesome, awesome. Um, so how did uh, how did Cooperstown Distillery get started? Gene, uh, you're you're the man in charge, right? Yeah. Well. Um Kind of a, a very long story that I'll try to abbreviate for the uh, timeline that we have here. Um, in essence, uh, some dear friends of ours that lived with us at the time in Florida who actually have a long history in Cooperstown, uh, they had a home in Florida where we lived full-time, they lived part-time. We became great friends. Uh, we started to visit up here. Uh, at the time, I was doing, still had my restaurant consulting business. I came up and did a couple summer gigs for them. They needed some, some real help. They were having some severe problems with their restaurant up here. Fell in love with the town. Um, got to be acquainted with uh, some of the uh, dynamics of why Cooperstown is so special. Um, got personal and intimately involved with a lot of uh, old-time people that have lived here for literally hundreds of years. Found the town very fascinating. Great story behind it. And, of course, the baseball intrigue was always underlying my idea about perhaps one day jumping in with a distillery that could find uh, a way to merge and uh, bring together spirits and baseball. And um, I was a former winemaker and had a vineyard and in the restaurant business had quite a bit of experience with the spirit world just from the retailing end of it. Um, started to see what was happening in New York State with uh, distilling legislation, which was becoming increasingly more uh, liberal and favorable for craft distillers. So uh, I took my first craft distilling class in Cornell in 2008, took another one in 2009, and kind of got really smitten with the whole idea. And my friends that had brought me up uh, during that period started to make innuendo that it was time for us to do something here before someone else did it. It was just a matter of time, and I said, you're right. So uh, we started working on the project uh, full swing about 2011, 
Uh, and by the time we got we got all our financing and all of our legalities worked out, uh, it was uh, early 2013, and we opened up uh, early fall of 2013. And we started making whiskey. Yep, right away. Fantastic. Um, yeah, the the story of New York uh, craft distilling in general is really really interesting. I just Roy and I were just talking. Um, I completed an article and a 25 distillery tour, not just in New York, but around the Northeast um, last year. And uh, it's it's really interesting what you guys are doing out there as far as farm distilling. And um, you're leading the country in quality in-state production for, for craft spirits. I totally um, agree, Justin. I think it's so cool, the, um, the legislation that is in place in New York. It's in favor of the craft distiller and, and the small business entrepreneurs like Gene. Um, it, it just it opens so many doors. It, it removes some of the red tape that I feel is involved with, you know, opening a distillery, especially in some other states. Um, I'm originally from Pennsylvania, so that's a that's a state-controlled um, liquor um, kind of setup, and, and that just, you know, that puts a lot of damper on people. Um, and New York has a lot of things going on other than just legislation. We have good water here. We have local grains. It's just kind of, you know, beckoning for, for distilling, and, and it's really, really cool that's happening. Yeah, and don't forget that New York ranks in the top five in the United States, which a lot of people don't realize because most people think New York is New York City and nothing else. But we rank in the top five in GDP for our farm products, and that includes apples, of course. That's a big one. But um, So there's a, a tremendous uh, established agricultural industry here that, of course, was the reason that, Pataki, who initiated all this legislation back in the uh, 90s, um, saw the opportunity to grow the farming community and to enhance the farmer's marketing and his market with, you know, of course, distilling and, and, a, and the second tier or the first tier, however you want to look at it, the brewing. So we all use an awful lot of grains, and what's good for, yeah. the, what's good for the farmer was good for the distiller or the brewer, and that's what, how it all started. Excellent. Well, um, all this talk about distilling is making me thirsty. So why don't we jump in? You guys have um, uh, a clear bourbon mash, basically just a um, – are you considering it a white whiskey? Are you considering it a moonshine? Uh, we actually want to consider this a white whiskey, Justin, for the purpose, um, because what we actually do in order to be classified as a whiskey, as, as you know, and some people might not, is whiskey has to be distilled from grain and stored in an oak container. Um, so what we do with this particular whiskey is we put it into a used barrel for a brief amount of time. We call it blessed by oak, and then we remove this. Um, so we're able to call this a white whiskey um, legally. Fantastic. Yeah, I've heard, uh, I've heard blessed, I've heard kissed, I've heard <laughs> hugged by oak. Um, fondled is another very yeah. interesting one that I've heard. Fondled is um, a good one. I, I yeah, like fondled. might be the better one. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of good words that you have to... Um, when you have to kind of jump through hoops and, and play that game. You know, I also want to jump in here on why we call it a white whiskey. Um, in truth, it's it's so much more of a bourbon yes. in style than it is a white whiskey. I mean, for the moonshine. a moonshine type whiskey is what I want to say, which is, of course, you know, heavy, heavy corn and almost entirely in some cases. Um, so this has got, you know, this has got a lot of uh, real whiskey or bourbon character, whatever you want to call it. It's, I think 
I'm accurate, right, Rory, when I say it's the exact same mash bill, isn't it? Oh, yeah, same exact mash bill, yep. Yep, we're barreling this um, pretty much biweekly at this point. You know, we'll be doing our mashing and our stripping runs, finishing runs the week after. Um, this particular product, the Cooper's Clear, is distilled a little differently since it goes, you know, into the barrel, a clear um, liquid. Um, but it's the same exact recipe that, we're, yeah, we're barreling down um, every every other week. And Rory, why don't you jump in and tell them that you just won two awards for it? Oh yeah, um, that's that's kind of my pride and joy. Um, so I think uh, between when I sent this out, or just a, just about maybe a week ago, um, we got results from the International San Francisco Spirits Competition and the North American Whiskey Competition. Um, it was a bronze medal in San Francisco and a silver at the North American Whiskey Competition. So I'm pretty pretty smitten about that. I'm pretty happy for, especially for a white whiskey, which I feel um, can be kind of hard to hide flaws um, and also get people really turned on to in the first place. I, uh, I'll have to agree with you on that. The um, <clears throat> white whiskeys in general, it's, it's very hard to hide the flaws um, because there's no, you know, time in barrel, extended time in barrel that can not necessarily take away the flaws, but it can tamp them, tamp them down or replace them with, with oak influence yeah, um, or with yeah. melon or um, with other attributes. Um, but this one is actually really clean. Um, I get a very interesting, um, I always love that smell of, of, you know, new make or, you know, whatever you want to call it, white whiskey or um, fresh off the still. I, I always get this great, um, fresh baked bread uh, note and um, it's definitely present in this one and it's a little herbaceous, which is, which is interesting. Um, yeah, but it's, it's, it's fantastic. It's um, herbaceous is definitely one of the things that comes to mind um, when, when I'm sipping or when I'm blending it. Um, it, it almost has, um, you know, a lot of people will say it has a tequila-like nose to it. I can see that. Yeah, and, you know, there's there's an awful lot of white whiskey out there right now that is purely from a sensory perception field. It's it's almost entirely like a moonshine, one-dimensional quality. And I think that this white whiskey has lots of really interesting nuances that, or anything but that. I mean, it, you drink it against other white whiskeys, and it's 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 a slam dunk. I mean, it's just way 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 different and way more complex. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's definitely clean. Um, you can tell what you guys are making great cuts. Um, for those who who are not whiskey aficionados listening or or not uh, um, distillers, um, you you guys are making very clean cuts in in the hearts, I think, because I don't get a lot of those um, oils at the end, which, you know, as you know, Roy, or you probably could explain a lot better, um, are present at the end, um, at the at the heads and, of course, the tails of the of the distillate. But this is, um, I, I would say, damn good job. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, I really appreciate the compliments. Um, and, yeah, for, for those who aren't distillers or really familiar with, with the whiskey process and aging, um, I, I said mentioned earlier how we, we do a little different distillation on this, and that's mainly what you just mentioned, Justin, was the hearts and the tails. Um, you know, um, we, we do super tight cuts on this because we want to keep some of those flaws out of there, whereas the stuff that we plan to barrel, we might mingle a little bit of those tails in there to add some complexity, which those, those heavier, you know, tailor um, kind of uh, whiskey notes can kind of sometimes be off-putting, but 
also, you know, when they marry with oak, will you know add some complexity into your your overall product. Great. Um, so, so I've got next the uh, 101 proof uh, um, your bourbon. Um, <clears throat> and let's. Uh, Justin, let's we might join you with a sip on that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Five o'clock here. It's yeah, it's five o'clock somewhere. It's, <laughs> it's already five o'clock here at your place. So, absolutely. Yep. Um, I'm I'm pretty impressed by the color on this. You've got this in. Um, Thank you. Um, thirty gallons, correct? Correct. Yep. And it's uh it's going for fourteen months, so that's it's got this kind of redheaded stepchild hue. Um <laughs> it's one of my favorite you know. things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, right. <laughs> not, not not a derogative note, but when I talk about how distilleries and, you know, are versus towards wineries and breweries in, in terms of, you know, federal taxation <laughs> which um some some other distillers can probably agree with. You know, um, Justin, it's it's funny you say that it's sitting in a a, a very uh, interesting bottle that we have it in. For some reason, it's in a, a kind of a cut glass bottle in a way. I don't know. It's got. Anyway, to make a long story short, you just said redheaded. Um, what was your terminology there? Redheaded what? Bastard child. <laughs> uh, anyway, it looks like it has a red tint to it as you look through this bottle. It's it's pretty fascinating. It's got a lot of red hues in it. Yeah, it's um, it's not what one would expect. Um, just from 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 uh, the consumer side, I um, it's it's pretty phenomenal though. I have to say, um, lo- love the color because um, it's it's not just um, almost squid ink brown, uh, which is a lot of bourbons out there. They're just um, the, the goal is to get them as dark as possible and as strong yeah. and as powerful as possible. And I'm a bourbon fanatic. I'm not just a fan. I'm a fanatic. Okay. Um, and uh, I'm I'm pretty impressed with this. It it, ha- it retained a little bit of that herbaceousness. Um, you know, kind of, um, you know, some floral notes um, from the, you know, from the original distillate. And I'm glad that I have the the clear to compare it to because I can you know I can I can definitely see you know this one just happens to have obviously more complexity. Yeah. Uh, due to the wood, um, but it's it's clean. Um, the finish is is it's lingering, but it's still soft. It doesn't destroy the palate. There's there's milk chocolate. There's there's cocoa nibs. There's um, this tiny bit of like roasted almond, and of course, kind of this caramel coated um, stone fruit um, that that really comes through, and I think it's really damn good. I, yeah, I think you nailed it there, Justin. Really, that's that's very good. Um, and I want to mention you said about the almonds, the toasted almonds. There's there's something there's oats that we use here, local oats, um, and they provide that just that nutty. It's kind of like barley. But a little bit more um, spike in, in the overall distillate on the palate, if that makes any sense. Um, and they're they're just doing fantastic for us um, in terms of you know the product they're putting out. Yeah, we love the we love the oat and the mash bill. I think it adds an incredible mysterious dimension to the bourbon. And I think for a 14 month old bourbon, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say this is one of the best 
young bourbons I've tasted, and I know I sound terribly biased, but I have to say I've been tasting a lot of bourbon these days, including one that we tasted yesterday that's two-year-old from a local distiller, and I would put this up against that any day. This is really spectacular. Yeah, I would... Um are you guys working on a, on a straight bourbon for for this particular recipe? Are you going to leave some in some barrels a little longer just to see what uh, what happens yeah. to it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, sure. the, 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 the kind of the idea when we started with the smaller barrels, a lot of distilleries was let's try to make a quality product that we can release in 12 to 18 months, um, so that we can you know start getting our style out on the shelves, start it saying here's some New York bourbon. Um, but definitely, yeah, no doubt there's, that's going to be a straight bourbon. I, you know, I, I'm not sure how it's going to develop, um, but we've seen sweet spots actually around nine months in 30-gallon barrels, um, and then we have one that's about almost 18 months. So um, you know how they go in and out sometimes. So um, we're going to see how that develops maybe when it gets to a two-year-old. Maybe it'll hit 24 months, and we'll have to say, you know what, we've got to wait another six to eight months to release this. Um, but we're we're definitely shooting for a straight bourbon. Okay, excellent. So excellent. Justin, also I I meant to ask this with the clear whiskey. Um, you know, a, a, someone with a palate like yourself, what kind of things would you critique about this bourbon? Um, you know, don't don't put it soft because you know you know as as a distiller, you know, you have to know what's good and what's bad. You want honest feedback. Um, you know, we're o always trying to hear what what's good and what's bad and what we can do better. Well, I would uh, I would say not to get too technical for the audience, but um, I think the cuts are really good. Um, okay. Is this the same mash bill you guys are putting uh, corn, oat, and rye? Yes. Yep. Okay. Um, it, and this is just me. I I prefer a little more spice. Okay. Um, so I would maybe up the rye just a little bit, um, just to kind of give it that that clear complexity um, with with the white whiskey because it's going to come through a lot more in the in the white. Um, I would I would maybe up the uh, up the rye a little bit. Okay. Um, just to just to kind of give it that little extra oomph, um, you know, just a little bit more of that cereal note, a little more of that uh, that kind of Christmas time holiday spice. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, right. but I, I mean. I, I just got done, um, you know, I, I um, worked behind the scenes at the American Distilling Institute's uh, judging this past February. And uh, I was, of course, in charge of, of several um, versions of whiskey, mostly whites, moonshines, um, flavoreds, and smoked. Um, and tasted about 40 clear uh, whiskeys or, or moonshines. Wow. Um, um, yeah, there was there was quite a few this year. And uh, this is probably one of the – and I, I don't think you guys had submitted anything, but you should have. Yeah, um, I know. We missed that one. But uh, um, there's just so many competitions out there. It's, right. Um, you know, it's not <laughs> – In fact, but, uh, you know, this, it's funny. Um, I just got something on the, uh, in my emails today from one that I've never heard of and never seen. So it looks like people are getting together and establishing themselves as creditworthy and, and noteworthy uh, competitions and they're just popping up everywhere now. It's kind of getting silly. Um, we should we should try that. Maybe we can get a bunch of free bottles of whiskey sent to them. But yeah. you know what I want to add about this? Um, so you're drinking 101, which of course is literally cast strength in, in some respects, not quite as casky as when it goes into the cask. But um, and I don't think it's hot at all. Do you find it hot? I don't. Um, that's that's one of the things um, with with a lot of the cast strength stuff. Um, 
it comes out there and you can't drink anything for a day or two right. afterwards because right. um, your palate's nice. completely destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not hot at all. It's you know, really nice. This, like this one is very clean. It's very tame, um, but I still get, um, you know, I still get bourbon. I still get the barrel. Um, I get a little bit of heat, but I, like I said, I'm getting a lot more fruit and I'm getting a lot more, um, a lot more of the essence of bourbon. Yeah. Right. Um, well, Gene and I will cheers to that. Yeah. Ching ching. And it's red. I'm telling you, I'm looking at this bottle. It's it's red. It's. it's it almost looks like Minwax's red mahogany, uh, red oak stain. That's actually what it is. Don't 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 let them know the secret. Yeah. That's that's what I'm smelling. Yeah. That's... <laughs> We're gonna start bottling that full time. Absolutely. Um, and you can you can have that by the way. You can take fondled by oak if you want to put it on your next batch. Um, yeah. You can that that's yours. You can have that. Well, thank uh, you. Thanks. Yeah. There you go. Um, so, so barrel aged gin um, really wasn't a thing a couple of years ago, um, nope. but it's exploded. And as a whiskey fanatic, um, I've I've recently started understanding better um, the different types of gins. Um, I've got some gin mentors, as I had whiskey mentors a long time ago, um, who are really helping me to understand. Um, Gin. Um, why don't you tell me a little bit about this one? Um, that that gin is, it's it, you know, if, if I wish I sent you some of our regular gin, um, which I think you had back in the summer, but it still would have been better to have them side by side. Um, that's our same exact recipe for as our Fenimore gin that we're using, um, and this this particular one is going into a reconditioned uh, wine cask, which previously had some rye whiskey in it. Um, we briefly aged some rye whiskey in this barrel took it out and then I've put this gin into this barrel and, and it's picking up some of those whiskey notes but also I, I think the French oak with that lighter kind of more aromatic side of, of the wood is going better with this gin um, as it turns to some of the American oak um, which can kind of maybe would dull this down or kind of just clash with the, the flavors too much um, so this has gone in and it's it's been in there for a while uh, most, most barrel aged gins I see you know are three months or six months um, this particular batch has been in that barrel for over a little over a year and a half, I'd say. Um, so it's got a lot of that, but still retains a lot of that gin essence to it. Yeah, and you, you know what? In a more general terms, too, um, because I think the barrel aged gin phenomena is not going to go away. I think it's just going to get bigger. But what's really interesting, and and again, we're all learning about barrel aged gin because it's only recent that it's emerged as you know, something that people have been playing with. But I think that what makes barrel-aged gin fascinating is that the gin changes and works with the barrel so well, and you wouldn't expect that because everyone thinks of gin as, you know, heavy botanicals, heavy juniper, and I'm not so, I'm not so sure that if you didn't have a heavy juniper gin that it wouldn't still come through, but the barrel tames the gin, and yet the gin picks up some whiskey nuances, and it becomes a completely different kind of spirit. And that's what I think is so neat about it. It's not really gin. It's kind of like whiskey, but it's not really whiskey. It's kind of like gin. You know, it's it's like really cool, I think, what's happening. I uh, I think you nailed it with really cool. Um, I've had quite a few um, barrel-aged gins as of late, and, and I have to say, this one... 
it's really damn interesting. There's there's almost this. Um, you guys remember the the orange creamsicles from back in the day? You go to the, oh, yeah. the ice cream truck and you, it's that. It's that in a glass. Um, but it has it has amazing complexity for something that's sit um, in a barrel for for 18 months. I expected all of the fruit, all of the floral qualities, all of the juniper um, to get washed away. Um, but you're using subtle French oak um, yeah. that it was already, you said it was already um, used to age some rye. So I think the addition of the barrel to this, the softer kind of already used barrel, just complements everything. And I get I get grapefruit peel. I get coriander. Um, I get angelica root. um I get a little bit of citrus. Um, I get a little cardamom. And you get and you and, still get whiskey. And I still and I still get a little yeah I get a little bit of rye, tiny bit of rye on the on the thing, um, on the nose. There, um, there's something I've noticed too with that gin, and it makes me wonder about other gins. Um, I think, Gene, we went into that barrel. We tasted it maybe six eight months ago. Yeah. And there was just this overwhelming cinnamon note to it and there's no cinnamon in our recipe and i mean sometimes barrels can lend that note but we were just like what's going on it was just like cinnamon in your nose with whiskey and gin um you know we went back four or five months later and it kind of dissipated into something else so um you know back to kind of the bourbon thing it you know there's things that happen in the barrel that kind of change or will marry um but I think gin is just one thing that really kind of goes through some changes and developments in a barrel. Yeah, and uh, Rory um, was telling me that he, we we did a, an event somewhere where they actually mixed our gin and, and, and a whiskey drink. Oh, yep. And um, it really works well. Uh, I tried it, and I was very impressed. It's, it's like an incongruous mind, an incongruous mind thing, but once you taste it, the sensory. It actually is not incongruous. It actually works. I remember the bartender looking at me like I had six heads when I said, yeah, throw some bourbon and some gin in there. I can I can see that. I, uh, I, I kind of like this rim variation on this. If you're holding the glass a little bit at a tilt, um, usually you don't care about rim variation in a spirit. Um, you really, you know, it's really a wine thing. It tells you, you know, tells you the age, tells you, you know, a lot of things about the, about the wine. But the rim variation on this gin... It goes from this almost just perfect clear circle to this kind of pale straw color, and it reminds me of um, really light Amontillado sherry. Um, uh-huh. I can see that. But it's 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 really really damn good. You guys did a great job with this, and I like I said I was scared. Eighteen months uh, in oak can definitely destroy gin because they're they're very soft flavors. You know when you drink you know, clear, straight gin, you don't think, oh, these are delicate flavors. You think, wow, it's gin. Um, but people don't realize that a barrel can absolutely destroy that. And that's also cast strength, too, so bear that in mind. Yeah. It's wow. pretty cool. Yeah, I, I think, and also um, maybe not to you know, let the cat out of the bag, but um, we want to do a, a something that's pretty interesting with that, Um and Justin, are you familiar with the Solera style of port? I absolutely am. Yeah. Okay. So maybe for those who aren't, um, it, it's basically um, kind of a, a pyramid um, where you will remove the bottom half, let's say, of what's in those barrels, 
um, you will that will go into your your bottling or your 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 product, and then the liquid from the second tier is brought down to the third, and the liquid from the top tier is brought to the second, and then your new batch goes into your top tier. So it's kind of like a sourdough sourdough culture where you always have a little bit of that original um, starter in there, um, and that's something we want to kind of start doing with this, um, which I'm not sure if anybody else is doing right now. At least that in my research has showed. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm a big fan of of the Solera method um, with spirits because it shows kind of very careful, um, you know, time and energy um, into um, into into producing your spirit. So so absolutely, I look forward to seeing that. Cool, great. cool, great. Um, well, um, great stuff. Um, I thank, thank you. you guys for your time. It's thank you. Um, getting kind of late there in New York, so I want to let you guys go, get get home, get to your, your families uh, or to your parties or whatever you guys do on a crazy Friday night. you got to go to the beverage exchange, which next time you're in town, that's our new facility that we opened. So we're mixing drinks there with our uh, spirits, of course, and uh, we're having fun down there. So, And I'm probably going to go have Gene mix me a drink. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Um, gentlemen, always a pleasure. Um, are you guys going to be at uh, in San Diego this uh, this week? Unfortunately, no, not uh, not this go around. Not this go around, we got too many shows to do. It's too much. We're releasing uh, our spitball cinnamon whiskey down in New York and um, in the city, so there's a lot going on. So, all right, well, gentlemen, always a pleasure. Um, enjoy uh, your Friday afternoon and. We'll do this again soon. Same to you. Awesome. And thanks, thanks for the time, and um, glad that you love our spirits. Yep, it was a pleasure, Justin. <laughs>